Let's stand and we're going to lift up our voices as we sing. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing.
shifting it around in my mouth. I apologize for that. That is a serious speaker's faux pas. You're not supposed to have anything in your mouth, but neither do you want me up here coughing. So I have a little bit of a cough drop. I think it's just a little, uh, little thing's been plaguing me for a few days. I promise you it's not COVID. <laughs> I've had it, so I, I do recognize the symptoms and it's not those, thank the Lord. Um, Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to look at verses 3 down through 8. And um, tonight, the, the, mess, the title of the message is Preparing the Way for the Lord. Preparing the Way for the Lord. 
And really what it's going to focus on is John the Baptist preparing the way for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I tonight, as we're getting ready to go into this Christmas season, very soon, I mean, I looked at my watch tonight. I'm not, I'm not great about tracking days. You know, every once in a while, I lose myself in the date. I don't know if that ever happens to you. I get busy. I've got a million things going on. And then I, I actually have to look and remind myself, oh yeah, today is the 12th. Well, I actually thought numerically it was last week, today. So I'd lost a week and I realized, wow, we are really close to Christmas, aren't we? Really close. It's just around the corner. So as we look at this text, this text reminds us of the soon coming of Christ. For us, we look back at the birth of our Lord. These people here are looking forward in Isaiah chapter 40. Maybe I could get somebody to stand and read for us verses 3 through 8. Do I have a volunteer? Kurt, really good and loud. Kick it out. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all his flesh shall, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So as we look at this text, we understand a little better why it is that when the Lord Jesus Christ came, they were so emphatic, so dug in, so determined to only see the coming Messiah as a king. They were only looking for a ruling Messiah to come who would overthrow whatever oppressor was upon them at the time. And a lot of that is because of texts just like this. Anybody who lived in the time that they lived in would recognize this as a prophetic text of the coming king. Now we know that our Lord is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Amen. We look to him and we rest in him and we know he shall reign forever. But they were not prepared for a babe to be born in a manger. They were not prepared for him to be poor, for him to raise up and to not have even a pillow, a home to lay his own head in as the scriptures teach us. They weren't prepared for him to come and be the suffering savior who came to give, give himself a ransom for others. They were looking for the fulfillment of these texts in a very, very literal way. So let me explain why I'm saying that. When you listen to this, verse 3, it says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye way to the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. This is historically the description 
of a king coming to your city or coming to your town. At this time in history, when the king would go forth, he would go and ahead of him would be prepared the way. They would straighten the paths. They would level what they could. They would take the big boulders out of the pathways. Remember, we're not talking about a time when they had excavators and bulldozers. They had laborers. They maybe would use a, a beast of burden to move something, but largely the beast of burden was people, just like you and I. So when it talks about this leveling and straightening and preparing of the way, they all would understand that that is for royalty. You and I today, they do this on back roads, don't they? Maybe not up in the notch of Bristol. They might leave the boulders and leave the curves and all that stuff. But most places, they're leveling the plain, they're widening the roads, they're removing the um, frost heaves. We live with this all the time. We live, we live like royalty. And I, I'm sincere about that. We live in homes with central heat. Royalty didn't have central heat. Uh, you and I, we live with excellent, fresh, clean water. Many of them didn't have fresh, clean water. Leveled roads and straightened paths to travel. This was something that was only done for the most royal when they were going to come to a village or a city. So as soon as this text was read, when they looked at this prophetically, where it said, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. When they understood this to be a prophetic text of the coming Messiah, they are looking for the king. But I want you to see, when we come to the New Testament, very quickly God reveals that this is really spiritual truth. It's not that the roads would be level. Although I find it very interesting when I read this, that Christ came during the time of the Roman Empire. Because the Romans had actually mastered road building. There are still roads in Europe that still have the Roman markers. So it's very interesting that God chose a time when roads had begun to be developed straight, level, smooth under the Roman Empire. But that's kind of a side note, just an interesting thing how God ch chooses the times and ages that he does things. But I want you to go with me to the book of Matthew in your New Testament, if you would please. And I want you to see this prophetic proclamation brought to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 3. Look with me, if you would, at verses 1 down through 3. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. So John is getting ready to quote the exact text 
that I just read to you concerning himself. Listen to what he says. This is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of cam camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. So who, who is John? John is the forerunner of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the voice of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway of our God. So, I told you that the Old Testament perspective of this text was exceedingly liberal. I mean, literal. They were looking for the king to come and to establish his kingdom in a physical way. But actually, it's a spiritual application. So when we begin to understand that, when we understand that in the New Testament, John the Baptist is this crier in the wilderness, then we begin to understand the straightening and leveling that is being talked about here. So when you look in verse 4 of Isaiah 40, where it says, Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, then we begin to understand what it was that John the Baptist was doing. And we know because the Bible tells us he was calling them to what? Repentance. Repentance. He's calling them to take those things in their lives and level them out, to come to a plane of accepting the Messiah, being ready and prepared to receive the sacrifice that God has for them. So God is saying to them, there is going to come one who will cry forth from the wilderness, who will tell you, get your lives straightened out. So the spiritual preparation of hearts was in the message of John the Baptist. He was looking for them to spiritually change the landscape. Look with me to Luke chapter 3. Listen to verses 1 through 6 in Luke chapter 3. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being the tetrarch of, of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Eturia, and of the region of Taconitis, and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priests, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And I've told you many times, one of the most marvelous things about your Bible is your Bible is not afraid to give you the details that absolutely place it historically. There are people who mock and ridicule and deride the Bible. The Bible purposely gives you an eye details so that we can go back and verify. Well, let's look at when Tiberius Caesar was. Let's look at when Pontius Pilate was. Let's look at when Herod was. God is not afraid to give us the exact historical details 
so that it can be verified. He gave that to us. Listen to verse 2. Ananias and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of what? Repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the word of Isaiah, and now again it quotes out of Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So there's John the Baptist out there. He is preaching Isaiah. He is preaching repentance to these people that they might prepare themselves to look at, to understand, and to receive Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And then the last part, it told us that, the, that God would be revealed. They would see God, Jesus Christ being God in the flesh, come down from heaven above. That's why when we look at Revelation 19, 16, we understand that the Bible teaches us that Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want you to look with me over at Revelation chapter 16, verse 17, if you would, because I want to show you an interesting text in here. Revelation chapter 16, we're going to pick it up at verse 17. Listen to what it says. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. Now, these are the prophecies of John, not John the Baptist, but John the Beloved. God is revealing to him future times, times that we have not yet come to. Who knows how long ahead from our lives? And the seventh angel poured out his vial in the air. There came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty on an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Now listen to what happened. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. The, the mountains collapsed down. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone upon uh, about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. So the seventh of these vials is poured forth. And in the in this prophetic event of future times, we find that God brings a, an earthquake that shakes the mountains down and levels the seas so there are no islands. It's just an interesting point that in preparation of Christ's second coming, not the rapture, but the actual second coming of Christ, we find a leveling of the earth that God does. So when we look at these things like in Isaiah chapter 40, and we see these prophecies of 
the voice in the wilderness, telling people to spiritually get their lives straightened out. Then we also see in the latter prophecies concerning the second coming of Christ, how God himself brings forth these earthquakes in the shuddering, this shaking, and he brings down the mountains and levels the seas. It's all amazing to look at how God prepares for the coming of Christ. Not only the Christ child, but the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in the future. Look back with me in Isaiah chapter 40, and I'm going to show you verses 6, 7, and 8. And I want you to listen to the voice that comes forth from this prophecy. He goes on, he says, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is the, is the grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So, you remember the voice in the wilderness, John the Baptist crying forth, telling the people, straighten out your lives, repent of your sins, prepare for the coming savior. And then he says, and this voice is talking about the corrupt, the corruptness of the flesh of mankind, the corruptness of human being. He says, it's like grass. Now you and I, we live in a place absolutely where we see the seasonal life and death of grass, don't we? There's no mistaking it for us. It's not like we live in Florida where it's green all year round. And I'm really not sure green is, is Florida green all year round? Not really. No? No, a lot of their grasses don't like our grasses. It's hard, it's hard to stick. Yeah, it's not even real grass. <laughs> Who would want to go to Florida where it's not even real grass? But here we understand grass, don't we? In the summertime, what, what are we called? What, what do they call Vermont? The green, the green Mountain State. Why? Because it's lush and it's green. But come winter, there's not much green grass out there, is there? Something happens to the grass. What, what happens to the grass? It dies away. That's right, now the roots down inside are alive. They're dormant, but what we see dies away. Even my cows, you know, uh, they, will, they will graze on that grass out there all the way until it gets hit with really hard frost several times. And then uh, they really have very, they would rather go eat dry hay than that dead dry grass. And I'm not sure the nutritional balance of all that. You'd have to talk to a farmer to know that. But they recognize the difference between dead and alive, nutritious and unnutritious. And here God says, he says, you and I, we are the grass. That's what the text says. You see, we also thrive and are alive. But it is appointed unto man once to die, isn't it? Every single one of us will go the way of the grass. We will go the way of the flower. That's what he says in verse 7. The grass withereth. 
the flower fadeth because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So this is John's message to the people. Prepare the way. Your life is not forever. In fact, I want you to go with me. I want to go back, if you would, to Luke chapter 3. Because I want to take you a few verses farther down than where I read to you just a minute ago. Look with me, if you would, if you would to Luke chapter 3, verses 7 down through 9. Listen to what he says to them. Then said he, John the Baptist, to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So what do we find John doing? John is doing exactly what was done in Isaiah. He's taking for them imagery, pictures of the world they live in. He talks to them about what? What's the first part? He talks about vipers. He says, you are vipers. Well, vipers are not, we live in a really strange time when people keep snakes and stuff for pets. That's not normal in history. Most people are repulsed by vipers, especially because most vipers are deadly. And so he says to them, he says, you're a bunch of vipers. But then he moves from vipers to what? What do you, do you see it? Vipers to what? Trees. And what are trees? It's not a trick question. They're happy. They're happy. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. But they're just plants, aren't they? Isn't a tree just a plant? It's a big plant, but it's just a plant. So he takes the same principle that Isaiah is using. Isaiah is talking about grass. John the Baptist is talking about trees. And he says to them, he says, listen, trees that don't bear fruit, what happens to that tree? They cut them down. And what do they do with that? What do they do? They're going to go out there and they're going to labor and they're going to cut that tree down. And then what are they going to do with it? They're going to burn it. They put their energy and their work into it. So they're going to use it to cook. They're going to use it to heat their house. They're going to burn it. And so he takes a very real image, just as Isaiah. Isaiah is talking about the very short season of green grass in the Middle East. And he says, however... It withereth and it dieth. And here John is saying, look at the trees. You're like the trees. Already the axe is at the roots. You need to repent and bear fruit. You need to be alive, prepared, ready, spiritually for God. You need to be looking for Jesus because he's coming. In fact, as you read a little bit farther in the text, they will inquire, they will wonder, are you the Christ? And he says, no, 
I am not. I baptize with water, but there's another who's coming who will baptize with the Spirit. He's bringing forth this spiritual truth of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's what Matthew chapter 24 verse 35 says. And it lines up exactly with what uh, Isaiah 40 verse 8 says when it says, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So it doesn't matter what generation of people. It doesn't matter what kindred, whether you're the children of Abraham <coughs> or Vermonters. <coughs> Sorry about that. It doesn't matter. All of us are the same. We are all looking at a time when we ourselves need to be sure our hearts are right with God. If you've not received Christ as your savior tonight, you need to do that. For you are even as the grass. You might thrive, you might look great, and tomorrow you may wither and die. Each and every one of us, whether it's the generation of John the Baptist, whether it's the generation of Isaiah, or it's today, we understand that God's word, it stands forever. We, on the other hand, are appointed a day when we shall die. We need to make sure that our soul is ready. The last text I want you to look with me is Psalm 119. If you turn over there, we're going to look at verses 89 down through 94. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is uniquely known as the longest chapter in your entire Bible. Um, so look down with me, if you would, at verse 89. And we're going to go down. I want you to listen to what it says about God's word. God's word that shall not pass away. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. And lest thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The psalmist says he wants everybody to understand God's word is settled in heaven. It is eternally established. It is that thing that quickens our soul as we are enlightened to understand and know God. And then through his word, we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him for eternal life. Isaiah 40 is a prophetic text pointing to the coming of the Christ child, the Messiah, the Savior, the sacrifice. But when we look at the Bible, we understand even as you and I look forward to the second coming of Christ, first the rapture. And of course, if you and I are alive, we'll be caught up to be with him forevermore. But then we see seven years of tribulation. And at the end of those seven years of tribulation, we see our Lord Jesus Christ return and establish his millennial kingdom. All of that 
is woven into the prophecies of Old and New Testament. And we stand in awe. So as we come to this Christmas season, as we look very soon to celebrate the birth of the Savior, we do, we do so with joy, knowing that none of this took God by surprise. It was planned. It was prophesied. And you and I, in hindsight, can rejoice and celebrate in all of it. That's my message for you tonight. Thank you for coming. And uh, I am going to meet with the church officers for just a few minutes over here. Just want to touch on a few things, and then I'm going to let you guys go. Unless, ladies, your husbands are exceedingly long-winded, then you can't blame me. Okay? Is that the deal? All right. We're dismissed. Let's have a word of prayer. William, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer? Amen.